Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 169 for your record books. I'm Aaron. With me as always, Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Doing okay, doing okay. So I hope you had a great long weekend. Um, uh, I went to the Kansas City Irish Fest. It was nice to get to Kansas City, home of Boulevard Beer. Um, but uh, listen to good Irish music, see some see some friends I haven't seen for a while. So it was cool. It's good to get out of town. Anybody else do anything kind of fun? Yeah, I actually got out of town myself. I went to see my two brothers who live in the Houston area. Yeah, I didn't know that, and I saw you send a picture. Like you had a picture of you and a cat, and I was like, "Fredo, get a cat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was my brother's two kittens that he rescued down in South Texas, and they're adorable. They love me, and then, uh, but they don't love me uh, as much as his corgi, who literally from the moment I got there was just right on my side and would not leave. So, well, don't tell Sophie yeah. and Luna. I know, I know. Uh, but no, it was a good weekend. Uh, I took them all out to see where the Houston Gooners meet, and we got to enjoy. I got them tacos, and got to see me lose my mind when Arsenal won uh, against Manchester United. So, yay. Dave, you guys do anything fun? Oh, no. It was all, like, chores. Um, <laughs> but, like, we needed to get caught up on La- Labor Day is to stay away from laboring. But yeah, we didn't really follow that advice. Um you know, there was all this yard work, and then the heavens opened up on Monday. I yeah. don't know if you guys were back for that, and it was just pouring all day. And uh, we were really glad we did. All Seems this like all the rain that we missed work. out on this summer was like all in a couple days. Yeah, so. like we were in drought forever, and then finally it all came in one day. Yeah, it chased me all the way from Texas back here. It was hilarious. Like I'd be on the Atchafalaya River Bridge, and it'd be pouring buckets, and I'm just like. Okay, just don't nobody be an idiot. Of course, it's always this one guy in a big truck that mm. thinks he can go, hey, I'm four by four. I can go fast in the rain. And I'm like, yeah, but nobody else can. And if you're rearing somebody, but anyway, uh, that, yeah, that was Monday was a fun drive back in the rain. White knuckled. <laughs> Very much so. Well, all right. Well, we're going to be uh, talking about just Ahsoka tonight, ep- episode three of Ahsoka. Um, and, uh, but before we do that, um, Got to do a little bit of trivia here to get us into the Star Wars mood now that we've talked about all things not Star Wars. Oh, for Lord's sake. All right. Um, rock, paper, scissors over who gets this softball. All right. Well, Dave, I'm going to give it to you because I think you got uh, you got hosed uh, last week, maybe. Last week. Anyway, who tells Luke Skywalker your skills are complete? <laughs> you, I, I have to... Hand it to you for not delivering it in, in, in a manner that Darth Vader would have delivered it. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It was Darth Vader. Darth Indeed, Vader. you're as powerful as the Emperor's were seen. Um, all right. Well, let's see here. Okay, so Fredo, to you. Mm-hmm. Who strongly suggests to his entertainers in Hatties? Ah, do that again. <laughs> I think that might be an even softer softball than the one Dave got. Uh, is this, that would be this, this is the guy that's hanging out on the corner of Bourbon and Royal, you know. <laughs> very much so. Uh, so I would go with Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt, it is. In the original in reference to our favorite piece of music in all of the Star Wars canon. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Um, by the way, so all right, here's here's a little side question. Um, so in the original trilogy, um, what uh, what what all the where, who are all the characters that spoke Hatties? Java, Pinky, and uh, and Big Fortuna. Greedo, Greedo, Greedo. That's right. So really, it's pretty easy to narrow it down when they say spoke in Hatties. <clears throat> but anyway, all right. I digress. All right, to me, who does Han tell to hurry up lest he become a permanent resident on the crumbling Hoth base? Man, this is like, are you smarter than a fifth grader for Star Wars tonight? That was C-3PO he was talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, we're going to forego news um, because there's really not any news to talk about, uh, so to speak. And we're, I mean, I just got to tell you guys, I I don't know how you're feeling, but each episode of Ahsoka has like not let me down. Um it has just been, it's been good. There's been a lot of stuff. However, episode three had some stuff that, you know, it was like, oh, that's neat. But I wonder how neat that is. Or, you know, um, uh, for example, let's, let's just start off real quick before we get into all these things. It kind of happens at the beginning of this episode. And remind me what the name of the episode was. Uh, uh, Time to Fly, right? Time to Fly. Mm-hmm. Time to Fly. And uh, it opens up with Sabine uh, training once again. Uh, and she's training with Hu Yang, the, the droid, the Jedi droid uh, lightsaber smith, you know, Ahsoka's friend. Um, and so during that training, I just want to hit on this real quick. It was not even a callback, but a direct lift of the... You know, I can't see how am I supposed to fight. So, you know, where whereas in The Mandalorian we had Easter eggs, now it seems like they're not even trying to be coy at all. It's just, let's just throw it in. I mean, I, I was like, my first reaction, I think you should go with your first reaction. My first reaction was, ah, oh, that's cool. But I mean, you know, after simmering for a few days, I'm like, well, I can see how people would be like, come on. I don't know what you guys. What you guys think? First of all, let's just talk about Sabine's yeah. training, that whole sequence. But but do address the the A New Hope callbacks because it was the putting the the blast you know a helmet on it with a face mask and and I mean it's easy to explain that. But go ahead, Dave. The the firefight uh, immediately after this. I mean, not right after this, but you know, several minutes later. Yeah, and we'll get same to the deal. dog fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. same deal. Yep. New hope mm-hmm. all the way. Um, but what I liked about this was that it was a slightly different spin. It was a little more martial arts esque. Um, I, I got vibes of kind of the Matrix in a way, where it's just like a bit of a cat and mouse kind of a thing, where she's. She's also, toy- where Ahsoka is toying with her. With also, the- Batman Begins. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're that they, you know they've got their samurai sticks and and you know they're and Ahsoka. There's a moment where uh, Sabine senses her correctly. Mm-hmm. She's there, but then she still gets undone and and properly chastised for not being in control in that moment so i i liked it and it was an obvious callback but i 
I like that. How do, how do, the how whole do you rhyming in Star Wars, which is cool? Well, I mean, there's there's rhyming and there's, again, just using the same lyric, which they which they did with that whole blast shield thing. You know, I, I can't see how am I supposed to fight? Um, like I said, I, I think I think it was good. And it's easy to kind of explain away. It's like, OK, this is a we're kind of retconning that this is a Jedi training technique, you know, that Obi-Wan just happened to have a helmet with a blast shield so he could do what because Ahsoka had this old looking beat up like, you know, training helmet. So she had all the the training supplies in her ship. Um, but I don't know, Fredo, what do you think about just the direct, you know, reuse of the line? Like I said, not even really a paraphrase. I think you almost kind of have to do it just because otherwise people would, it would have been in everybody's mind, like in the back of everybody's head, like, oh, she's got to say it, particularly when she wants to pull something helmet with the shield down that prevents her from viewing, uh, seeing things. So I liked it. I, I just liked the. I thought it makes sense. You know, she ended episode two calling Sabine her Padawan. This is step one in that journey. It's okay. How much have you actually retained from your years of actually going with Ahsoka, of learning? And uh, so I appreciated the fact that, you know, they're trying to juxtapose her who is someone who's had training, but seems to have a very limited connection to the Force with Luke, who had no training when Obi-Wan uh, did that for him in the Millennium yep. Falcon, but had endless connections to the Force. So it's a good juxtaposition of two, kind of like they says, it rhymes. Uh, it just, it, it, I, th I thought it was a good scene. I think it's necessary. You know, we have spent the first two episodes kind of in an antagonistic relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine. So you needed this. You needed to, to see the both of them working towards the same goal to let us down the line later on. You know what I dug about this is I from from being a I mean former classroom teacher I still you know still a teacher. Um I like how Hu Yang that there is that it there's no BS with him. It's like yeah. you know and I mean I would I mean do that with my students where I you know I you know just say well that sucked. Now let's make it better. You know, and Hu Yang is kind of that way. It's like, you know, yeah, that wasn't good, but it could have been worse. You know, he so he gives that honesty that I think, and, you know, Ahsoka seems like it'd be a little bit more on that, uh, trying to be more on that nurturing side where, you know, well, that sucked, but that's okay. And we'll get there. And, you know, you just need to, you know, you need to work harder and stuff like that. Whereas Hu Yang's just like, you know. I, and so I, I appreciate, and we're going to get to that when we get to the dogfight, that um, there was a lot of teacher-learner um, interactions that we don't really get in Star Wars. We're actually seeing somebody try who doesn't know how to use the Force trying to learn how to use the Force. And I think that is very interesting. I think that is very interesting. Um, so... Um, but like I said, I also, like I said, got some Batman Begin vibes um, watching that. You know, it's like, um, yeah, I, so I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. Um, the um, So we cut to then Hera on um, what is on home one, right? Admiral Akbar's ship or whatever. And she ends up having a conversation with um, Mon Mothma and a bunch of senators. One senator 
being um, Senator Ziono. Um, and what is the connection there? Kaz's dad. And who is Kaz? Where's that <laughs> from? Because we he's never. Not, I mean, it, yeah, he's he's our main character in Resistance. Yeah, um, I mean, we we that's the talk about the. It's it's almost like Dave Filoni's like going, "Hey, remember this other show that I made? You know, you guys <laughs> should pay attention to that one." But anyway, um, but it was really interesting. They're doing such a good job at showing in Mandalorian and this and Ahsoka how just how the New Republic fails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you would you could argue that he he needed to do this um, because like you you turn up in episode seven and you're like, what is this fracture point? How does this army spring up out of nowhere? Why are they not prepared for that? Why do people seem to be twiddling their thumbs? And then by the time episode eight rolls around, they're down to like fifty people. You know, people that could fit inside the Millennium Falcon. So it's it's like, how do you get from we won at the end of Return of the Jedi to that? Uh, we still haven't really seen that. And so, like, this is an opportunity to explain that and make it plausible because within just the structure of those movies, it stretches, I think it stretches credibility a little bit. Well, let's remember, you know, the line, how does, how does the emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? I mean, so for a long time, it was, you know, the emperor used the bureaucracy to his advantage, you know, keep them squabbling, keep things kind of, you know, you know, murky so he can just do whatever he wants. And um, Mon Mothma is the exact opposite. She wants to be the opposite of Palpatine and with with the same bureaucracy. You know, and so it's like when you have, I mean, in a classroom, there's, the, I mean, you can't have the teacher and the students at the exact same level. Somebody's got to be the one who, you know, calls the final shot. You know, um, if if it's the Arthurian, you know, you know, you know, uh, round table, everybody's equal. It's like, yeah, okay, that, I mean. Yes, that's that's great to shoot for, but at the end of the day, there's got to be, you know, it, it's it could cause problems. Oh, Fredo, what do you what do you think about the New Republic politics at play here? Because they shoot down Hera, what she wants to do, because they say that she's uh, kind of blowing some smoke. Yeah, and it's not surprising. I mean, we've kind of said in previous episodes that one element that's running through the entire. Uh, uh, entirety of the Disney Plus shows is showing us just how much the New Republic fails at building a cohesive government to take to take their people, and which is what leads the First Order to rise up and be able to do what it does. Uh, and this essence, I mean, the terrible thing is, it's not like uh, uh, the senator is calling Hera out for being wrong because oh he's trying to you know block her. In some in some instances, the hardest aspect for revolutionaries is to learn how to govern, learn how to control their impulses. You know, we're very much a government of laws, and the senator tells the general, no, we're not doing that, and that's just the way it is. And he's not coming across from it like, oh, 
you're coming at us with a threat is you're coming at us with a chance for you to find your buddy. So how much of our resources do I allow you to go well, use up in this mission? And it's it's always a balance, you know, and, that, and I think that's the difficulty is that when there were the rebels, Hera could just get on the ghost and go. You know, nobody was telling her nothing. You know, now she has to pay attention. Well, as a, you know, and after coming out of decades of a dictatorship, you know, um, I'm sure that there's a fear of becoming a dictatorship again. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're going to you're going to totally pump the brakes a lot of stuff. But, you know, we saw in the previous episode, you have, you know, imperial, you know, former imperials still working within the system. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that so it's so even though the New Republic failed, I don't know if they were set up to succeed. And maybe that would be an interesting um that would be that would actually be an interesting government class, like an elective in college sometime. Of what should the New Republic have done? You know, yeah. What should they have done differently? Coming off of yeah, coming off of you know the the Empire, what should they have done? Um, so right. if anybody wants to teach that class, there we go. One other aspect that I really appreciated is uh, just Genevieve O'Reilly as my Mothman because she's not playing the same character in two different shows, in two different points in her life. And it's interesting that whereas Herman Mothma in Andor was very much guarded, was very much, you know, had an eye in the back of her head, in this instance, she's much more motherly or much more uh, patient. So it's 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 interesting. You she know, seems you wonder, deflated okay. to me, actually. I mm-hmm. mean, she, she seems like she realizes she has that she has lost all sorts of like i don't want to say power but you know yeah she She, she she's lost a good sense of the direction that being uh, a leader in the rebellion and fighting the empire did which is common it's common i mean you know they have one big bad that they have the top of the emperor job done now what do we do and it's not so easy to then come up with a plan to get everybody together because not everybody has the same goals and ideas after you do that. I, I think we can de- de- debate the merits of this particular sort of storytelling, but I want to say that it I find it consistent across all the different shows that we're getting right now. You can see it yes. clearly and it follows logically the way that it should. Um, oh, here's an example over here. Oh, here's another example. And, and so, and why would that be? Let's just talk about let's 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 get the fifty thousand you know thirty five thousand feet look at it. But why would that be? Why is this working better than the sequel well, trilogy? <laughs> There's one chef in the kitchen, right? Um, but uh, you know, it's what I did want to say too is, is that this to me, for me personally, is it's very resonant because politically we're dealing with fascism in the world mm-hmm. right now. And the idea that and gaslighting, and yeah. there's this push pull with fascism. How tolerant are you? And how tolerant do you need to be? And how um, um, how much should we stand on our graces and 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 and, and decorum and those sorts of things when you're dealing with a party that is completely and. Tolerant. 
Yeah, actually, that, that brings up an interesting point because Mon Mothma and a lot of those senators were people who were members of the, of the old republic. So are they trying to bring all those old troubles and old issues and that's what ruins them? Or is it that they can't adapt to the new reality post-Empire? You know, it's it's an interesting debate and different question because, you know, on the one hand, you go like, well, who else could manage a galaxy-sized republic? But on the other, okay, are you doing enough to make sure that this doesn't happen again? So, uh, I, and, I, and I like how, you know, we've talked about doing the summer reading. We talked about resistance earlier. I like how you have um, Ziono in there but you don't have to have seen resistance to, I mean, you understand where he is now. However, knowing where he's at in resistance, you know, that adds a little bit of an element. So while, no, you don't have to do the summer reading. I will tell you kids, watch these things because it does enhance the experience, you know? Um, so before we- Case in point, case in point, we had another cameo here was Sarah's son oh yeah yeah no he's yeah he's well the lego set told us he was going to be in it uh, i mean that was not i mean i, I expected it right i figured you, like you said the lego set it wasn't a, it wasn't a spoiler per se but um that moment like hit me like a ton of bricks and it was an emotional moment seeing him on camera yeah yeah kids uh you know jason harris son is the uh son of Kanan, who was the Jedi in Rebels. Um, and uh, yeah, and the fact that he says, you know, I want to be a Jedi too. That was kind of cool. And then that makes, so that's what I wanted to, that's what I want to, I, I'm calling an audible here real, before we get into the dogfight stuff, because now we have seen Hera and Sabine and Ahsoka in three episodes now, up to this, you know, two and a quarter episodes now to this point. Um, how are you feeling, especially about the Hera character after this interaction? Because I will say, because, you know, we had our problems with the way she's being portrayed or the way it's she's the, the acting. We couldn't quite figure out, but Hera didn't quite click, you know, whereas Sabine and Ahsoka really did. After this interaction and up through her talking with Jason, I, I feel a lot better about the portrayal of Hera. Same. Same. And and I had the biggest problem maybe with her performance in the first two parts. Uh and uh I feel much better after this episode in particular. I and, feel and to me it was the line, did you serve in the war, Senator? <laughs> so you just sat back and, you know, yeah. see who won and you know, I was just like, that was Hera. That's that's when she grabbed me. You know, and then her emotional reaction to them saying, you know, no, basically, again, that was that was Hera. I think it was because up at hell then is like we got two episodes of kind of an emotionless Hera, you know, just a, it was a twilight there. That was it. I don't know. Um, Fredo? Yeah, I, I think I have the fewest issues of uh, the, the three of us with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winston's portrayal of Hera and this just felt like a natural continuation of that performance 
you can see the multiple sides of her, the general, the how you know the leader who's goal oriented, and you see the mom the next moment who's taking care of her kids and uh, you know J Jason and Chopper. So it, it's a good continuation of the position because it's different than what we're getting from Sabine, and it's different than what we're getting from Ahsoka. Even though Ahsoka's and Sabine's relation can almost be uh, mother's daughter kind of dynamic, it's not not the same way that Harris is. So. I love the fact that we're getting different presentations of these relationships, and I think she's doing well. So we we then go back to Ahsoka's ship, and um, you know, we're there's a little bit of uh, like kind of a, um, well, what is it a uh, debriefing, I suppose, you know, and mm -hmm. um, Sabine is frustrated, you know, and and you know. Ahsoka saying you need to like use the force and, and Sabine says the thing that everybody wants to say is like how you know because that's the whole thing is like you know, just feel the force flow through you I've always as a as a watcher of these movies go what does that mean you know and it's just like I think I think Jedi take their skills for granted and it's just like oh you should feel the force flowing through you it's like so I loved it when Sabine tries to move the cup Mm -hmm. and she and she opens her eye to see if it's moving you know it's it's you know so she's dealing with a with a belief you know i don't think she quite i think she knows that it's real but she doesn't quite has given her total faith into it but i like you know soka said that yes natural ability plays has a big part in it but focus and training and I will, as again, as a music teacher, I will tell you 100%. I've seen kids like pick up instruments and they just play them. And my brother is kind of like this, where he can just pick up an instrument and figure it out without instruction. But then there are kids who couldn't, you know, read a note or have anything. And then they, but they bust their butt and they become, you know, it, they get into honor bands, they go on to teach music themselves, they're performing. So, you know, that's, I think that was a valuable skill, especially for kids to hear or, or a last lesson for them to hear is that, yeah, yeah, there's natural ability, but work and focus. Well, and particularly when you get to the point of maximizing your talents, because one of the things we keep saying is that, you know, if, if Sabine had been born at the time when the Jedi were around, they wouldn't have selected her, they wouldn't have brought her to the temple, she never would have been a young one. But I also think one of the, you know, one of the interesting aspects that uh, Ahsoka kind of touches upon is her Mandalorian heritage. There's something else within her that makes her not only her, but may prevent her from assisting that or giving herself over to that. So it's an interesting juxtaposition because you're right. Some people just naturally fall into it. And, you know, so some people can pick up a, a pen and pad and just draw you the most beautiful thing. And then there's people like me who draw a stick figure to save my life so i thought like one of the interesting and i don't know if we want to get into this um but like my brain like wanders off into a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and that's how that's how my brain explained the force you know for literal decades now um they just have that ability over there it's a different place it's a different time 
don't think about it too hard. The, the idea that they're trying to get to another galaxy, I, you know, like something there, like there, is there going to be something to that? I don't know. But um, would that affect force ability? I'm, I can't help wondering that. Um, the other thing, too, is I really wanted to touch on Puyang's line to Ahsoka that she herself came from a long line of non-traditional Jedi. Yeah. And if you think about the lineage, um, not of her family lineage, but of Master Padawan lineage, um, she was trained by Anakin, who was trained by Obi-Wan, who was trained by Qui-Gon, who was trained by Dooku, who was trained by Yoda. I mean, that's the... Yeah, unorthodox, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are all very special individuals who all went about doing things in vastly different ways. And I thought and like that two, was a really, really cool the, nod for me. And I think uh, the fact that two of them fell to the dark side mm-hmm. or gave themselves to the dark side, I think that comes into play. Um, mm-hmm. it, so, we'll, and we'll, we will definitely talk about that. Um, so they so they get a message from Hera as they're in hyperspace that the Senate committee committee says no we can't send any resources to help you as you go find this Eye of Scion thing, and so they come out of hyperspace and then, just long story short, a dogfight ensues, and this is what the Tie Fighter fight after the death after they left the Death Star, was supposed to look like. You know that was the thing that was always frustrating. You know is that. The TIE Fighters kind of move slow. I mean, but it was, it was 1977. I get it. They kind of move slow. It's like he's listing lazily to the left, you know, that type of thing. Um, but uh, but this was, I mean, this was fast. Um, I love the the sounds of the, the ships that Shin and Marok and the others were flying. They sounded like pod racers. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the things, it all sounds Star Wars-y. Um, but the interesting thing that happened here was this, you know, was the shift in Ahsoka, um, because all the time, all the while, she has been trying to tell Sabine how to do things. I know what it takes to do all these things and to be a Jedi. You just need to do A, B, C, and D, and that will work. And again, as a teacher, I will tell you that what Ahsoka did was one of the best things that you can do is that she just stopped because, you know, Sabine was getting frustrated. She was like, it's now's not a time for a lesson. And Ahsoka says, Sabine, tell me what you need. And everything changes. I thought that was a powerful moment. So it's the moment where she starts to trust her as her uh, apprentice, which is important. I mean, everybody focuses on the student part of the master-student relationship, but there comes a point where you, as the teacher, have to trust that what your student is asking for is what they need. And so at that moment, almost like you know, given, it's weird. In that moment, Ahsoka gave herself over to the force and said, what does Ahsoka, I mean, what does Sabine need? She needs me to do this, I will do this, whatever, the, whatever in order to make it work for her. And it works, which is you know, a good sign. Yeah, and again, the droid is like cuts to the heart of the matter. And he's like, "If I suggest if we don't want to die, now is the time to 
like get over the lesson part of things and and just mm-hmm. deal in reality um and in that ahsoka learned how to be a better master um and i thought i i think she took a really powerful lesson out of that so yeah i mean it's about and like i know i said earlier you know there's got to be somebody who's kind of calling the shots eventually but i mean you do have to know when to relinquish that control and it's like sometimes it's like listen if you why why do i why do i have to do why do i have to do it the way you're saying that i should do it if i can do it this way it's the it's the old math new math type of argument right <laughs> yeah you know right. it's like i i understand that there you know i understand that there's reasons why we have the new way of doing math but at the end of the day if the kid can get to the right answer you know what i mean it's so it's, but i like i said so i thought that was a very valuable um bit that happened here um and, and it's go ahead, Fredo. And it's no, I was gonna say, and it's almost an embracing of what Hu Yang told her. She was an unorthodox student of an unorthodox teacher. The lesson in the book is that didn't work for her. We know that we've seen it. So her trying to teach Sabine using the textbook is not gonna work either. So stop using the textbook and figure out what it is that your student needs in order to learn. And this is the moment where Soka goes, yeah, I better do that. Well, and remember when I said that it seemed like, you know, Rosario Dawson was kind of playing uh, Ahsoka kind of pissy. You know, mm-hmm. it's like at in this moment you saw her, she actually started to smile. She There was some, you know, there was a relaxation in the in Ahsoka. So that, and she started to seem a lot like Ahsoka again. Mm-hmm. You, you almost wonder if, um, and like you could argue, is it the actress? Is it the character? Um, but I think if you're on the side of it's part of her portrayal of the character that you could argue that the character is a little uneasy about taking on the responsibility of another life. Mm. Um, and and that would be a hard thing for anybody to take on, and especially someone like Ahsoka, who has seen a lot of death and has actively tried to avoid uh, relationships with people. Well, she's carrying a lot of guilt, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a future episode. Um, she's carrying she's carrying a lot of guilt. Um, but uh, so, but however, uh, things don't go well for them. Their their ship is like. Uh, kind of dead in space and so they need to it they need to fit hu yang and sabine or well hu yang is actually kind of out of commission as well so sabine's got fixed the ship and ahsoka goes out on the hull of the ship in a spacesuit and starts deflecting laser blasts and stuff like this and again this was one of those things where i was conflicted because my my initial reaction was are you kidding me and then however a split second after that, I was like, well, this is very Clone Wars-ish. And I was like, yeah, all right. It, 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 it makes sense. You know, this is very, we would, seen, we would have seen this in Clone Wars, you know, or Re- we saw it in Rebels. So why can't we see it in live action? So I got, you know, I got off that, this is weird moment very quickly. I don't know. Did you guys, how'd you feel about Ahsoka in the spacesuit, uh, a whomping and a whooping? I enjoyed it, especially the little comic relief moment where 
you see her she she voices over the intercom can you get the ship fixed please yeah and you see her just like in mid space just like the like cows from twister yeah <laughs> yeah um that was so amusing um i i, I we're, we're here to be entertained aren't we and, and it was entertaining um yeah i mean i'm with you like with the you know are the are the are the blaster bolts from a space vessel too powerful to be deflected in such a manner? And then afterwards, when they finally get the ship ready to go, well, those ships were flying at them. Shouldn't they have caught up by the time they got up to maximum velocity? You know, like these sorts of dork store questions passing through your mind. But ultimately, it's like, is it an entertaining sequence? Yes, it's fun. But again, I you know, I come back to because this is an extension of the clone wars and rebels and because we've seen it in those it's like it was like okay cool if we had never seen it before then kind of like princess leia flying through space you know in the last jedi that was still to this day it seems like the dumbest thing ever but if we would have seen if that would have been if that groundwork had been you know laid down prior maybe i wouldn't have reacted so harshly to that um so then they get uh they get the ship working and um they uh end up uh getting away by hiding amongst kind of like smoking the bandit you know getting you know in getting the um firebird in the uh midst of a convoy of purgle that's right Holy cow, did these things look good. And you know what I like the most about them? I'm not to cut you off. No, go. They look no, they look massive. They yeah. look they look like you imagine if you were trying to run through a through an elephant herd. Like how small you would feel against or if you're trying to swim or, or canoe and all of a sudden a pot of whales appeared out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden you get this sense of you're not the biggest thing around and you better be careful because they're not looking out for you. And I love that. So my, my, okay, my wife brought up a good point. Um, why did, there's, and this is a criticism of the dialogue. Why do they have to say space whales called <laughs> Purgle? Because they never said in Rebels, they never said space whales. It was just Purgle. And there's these things, they look like whales. Cool. So that did bother me that they said that Hu Yang, when he was talking about it, it's like space whales called Purgle. That bothered me. I don't know. As that we're... didn't bother me at all. But like the, um, I like the, um, um, the logic at play here. Again, like you don't understand the intricacies of why or how things work exactly in Star Wars, but you see sort of a vague outline of something that makes logical sense to you as a viewer, even though you don't know the particulars. And the Purgle are a good example of this here because we know that Morgan is trying to develop this warp core. And we're learning this in real time over the course of the, mm -hmm. these scenes. She's trying to build this warp machine that can fly across the galaxy potentially to another galaxy. And what do we as viewers know about the Purgle 
It's that they're capable of having done that. We've seen this happen. And they explain it here in the dialogue um, for people who haven't been along for the ride with Rebels. Um, but yes, it follows that Morgan would be near these creatures to study them and learn from them and learn how they do what they do. Well, and it's an, obvi it's an obvious jump point. Mm -hmm. if, if, if find yeah. find where the pergol are and you'll figure out because they're going to bounce you know this way or that way I and mean, because yeah and kids let's bring you up to speed here per you know pergol you know that that's how everybody got the idea of hyperspace um is because the pergol can travel through hyperspace so they figured out okay we can follow their migration paths and apparently it was like i'm, I'm, I'm learning all this stuff that apparently it was like the original hyperspace people who traveled by hyperspace were actually using the force to guide them through these paths. And then they figured out computers to, you know, navic computers to figure out the coordinates so that you don't, you know, like Han says, you know, bounce into a supernova or, you know, whatever. Um, so it is really interesting. Yeah. You find the place where the pergola are and you'll figure out, you know, that's probably a good jump point. Well, and it seems like there's more than one reason, as we'll find out in the next episode when uh, we get to the map uh, that uh, Ahsoka found. But it's clear that the Pergola are at the core of everything. Because let's face it, they're the ones that took away Thrawn and Ezra. They're the ones who have been established to be hmm, kind of like the uh, idea of hyperspace. So it makes sense that they would be there, but it also makes sense that they would have studied them and you know, that if there was a place they were going to map out Pergol migration routes, put it that way, that that's where they would be studying all that and writing it all down, which is where uh, the bad guys are, are at the end of this episode. So speaking of the end of the episode, we're basically there because then they, they get away from the bad guys by hiding in the Pergol and then they go down to the surface and hide in the trees and they've got to fix their ship. And... Um, Balin says they must be hiding in the tree in the forest. Go hunt them down. Credits. So, mm -hmm. um, anything we missed in this episode we want to talk about? I, I, it was one of those again. It was, it was pretty much all. I mean, even though the beginning of it was kind of a slow training session, the rest of it was pretty high action. Oh, yeah, well, once once they drop out of hyperspace and the and the squadrons of fighters come at them, it's on till the end. Yep. Which I love. It's completely you know, it's it struck me like the old school Star Wars things. It's very much like a serial. It's uh, uh like Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers. It's the okay kids, we gave you your veggies at the start, now here comes all the candy and is it you know, you got shootings and dog fighting and space whales and trying to maneuver through them, so do you think they're figuring out how to use the uh, volume better? I don't know how much of that they're using for this. I can't tell. So that either means that, yeah, they're using it better or B, they're not using it as much. Um, I don't know. But like, regardless, it looks freaking fabulous. It does. And this mm -hmm. is like, like the one point that I kind of wanted to make and I wasn't sure if i wanted to make it for this um episode or our next episode but i figured let's just go ahead um i am way more okay 
with the idea of this Filoni crossover movie, having watched the first few episodes of this series, like the like Filoni with a budget mm. is fabulous. Um, Filoni without a budget is still quite good, and we, we're fanboys of that. Um, but so they obviously put money into this. It's interesting that you brought that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and uh, on mm-hmm. your argument here. Because the thing that I cannot believe is that we're three episodes in and we have not seen Zeb. And because right. we saw him in The Mandalorian, it was like incredible. And I wonder if when they put Zeb in The Mandalorian, they realized how much it cost to generate that character at that level. So it's like we can only either either Zeb's not going to be in this, which I don't think that's the case. I think he's going to show up sometime in, in the next, you know, episodes. And if he does, it's going to be not all that often because it, because again, it's like you spend all your allowance on Zeb and then the ships, everything, then, then you notice the volume, then you notice, you know, it's the things that you just talked about, you know, but we're not getting that now, right? Now we're getting... It looks incredible. It looks and it sounds incredible. The sound design's amazing. The music is wonderful. Score, yeah. I mean, um, the, the set design, the character design, I mean, on and on and on and on. I, uh, I do not see them scrimping anywhere in this. And um, I, I'm really enjoying it. And the, my mind sort of drifted at one point. Like, I wonder... Would Mando fit in this scene, right? And my mind goes to yes, very much so. And I would be excited to see him. Um, Some of these crossover cameos that we've had in some of the other shows, I feel a little, eh, you know, a little forced. I mean, Ahsoka and Mandalorian, I felt like it was okay. But um here, this universe is so well built and so well established that this this is the template. This is what they need to have happen. This, when when the Filoni movie comes to pass, this is the look. This is the style. This is the feel. Go and fold all your other characters into this. I'm in. I'm 100 percent on board with this. Um, anybody that wants to critique this thing, go for it. I'm not going to listen to you. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> good Star Wars. It's 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 really good. It's tough to find something to gripe about. That's and when I said, you know, you know, I, I said I didn't like that they said space whales. Let's face it, that is like, you know, that's that's chicken scratch. I mean, you know, and so I mean, but however, if you know, I'm sure, it, it, well, no, because I've watched every episode like three times, and it just. I enjoy it so much each time and, I, and it, nothing makes me go, Oh, I bet they wish they had that back. Um, I don't know. Fredo, so, uh, how are you I, feeling? about yeah, this? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it tremendously. And to your point, Aaron, and to Dave's point, I think maybe they're finally cracking the mystery of how to properly time these episodes because every one of these episodes so far have worked, have been the perfect amount of time. There's nothing that's been fit that you could say, oh, you got to take that out, that's filler, or gee, we linger on this so long, or, you know, I was getting bored here. Look, No, they're doing just a good, good enough job of recognizing, okay, this is the story I want to tell. 
It's very action propelled. There's a lot of stuff happening. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like they're a rushing, which is always kind of a concern with this Disney Plus shows, or that they're lingering about trying to figure out how to fill time. It's like they're giving you exactly what the story needs to be. I appreciate that because then, you know, when you go back and watch it all at once, it's just going to flow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's not much more for us to say. I mean, can you believe, like I said, it's, uh, it's the most, I, I don't I don't know if I want, mainly I will say it's, I think it's the most enjoyable star Wars that I've had for a while. Um, I mean, we, I enjoyed Andor, but, uh, sometimes it got kind of slow. I enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed everything, but there's always been a, but and this one is just like, I cannot wait until the next week. So, but you guys aren't going to have to wait for us to talk about the next one. Cause we're going to, after you get done listening to this episode, go listen to our next episode where we're going to talk about episode four, which is basically a continuation of episode three. Um, uh, but until then, we will say who dat, who dat, and everybody have a good little break and then get on your podcast app and open up the next episode. My monkey.